Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast. We are back. We are in full draft mode. Combine is over. Senior Bowl is over. We are now into visits and speculation and rumors. Who likes who? Who's going where? Who's getting selected first? But for the 49ers, we're not having a pick until 61 unless somehow Jimmy Garoppolo nets a first-round pick, which at this point is probably impossible. Leo, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing great as always. Man, this this feels like if I'm watching a novella right now because it's there's just so many rumors, so many things that may be true, may not be true, but you just got to keep watching to figure out the answers. Uh, so we're in straight novella mode right now. Um, you know, same thing with the novellas is you can't take your eyes off it. You've got to see the next episode. That's exactly where we're in right now. But for the next episode, it's literally the next minute to the hour because that's how these things can happen, such as a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Is that going to be a second-round pick, as you were alluding to? Is it not going to be a second-round pick because of the whole shoulder surgery that may have been a little too late than what they told the 49ers timeline? I don't know, basically, um, what exactly went down with that surgery decision. Uh, Is it obviously going to affect it? Maybe, but if a team wants a guy, they want a guy, and they'll eventually overpay uh to go ahead and get that guy rather than trying to fight for him in the free agent market uh that's alluding to ron Rivera. just just go get jimmy already just go do it man <laughs> just end this saga that is jimmy garoppolo uh at this point i don't even care what the pick is like five years later you won the trade san francisco you won that trade right and people may argue different but i think they want it two nfc championship games a super bowl appearance you won the trade you got plenty of stuff out of that situation Cut your losses, get your money. Go into this uh, free agency period that's coming up March 16th uh, with some money in capital to go ahead and pay guys that need to get paid. But um, the draft is upon us. The free agency is upon us. We'll get to a few things here. Um, first, though, the 49ers did make some coaching changes, coaching hires. Um, the list is pretty interesting, right? Um, so real quick, the 49ers made about 13 or 14 new New hires slash promotion slash um, shuffling of the coaching staff. So just to name them off here, I I know I'm going to mispronounce the first one. Uh, Steven Edigoki, defensive quality control. James Craig, now assistant offensive line. Brian Fleury has been, he went from quality control to the tight ends coach. Chris Forrester, offensive line and also run game coordinator. Joe Graves, assistant offensive line. That name is familiar because he was Elijah Mitchell's running back coach in college. So that's a plus. Uh, he's the assistant offensive line coach now. Brian Greasy, that's the big one. Quarterback coach. We'll get to him in a second. Leonard Hankerson, who was, re- who was originally on the staff, upgraded to wide receiver coach. Clay Kubiak, uh, you know that last name because that's a famous last name. He's the assistant quarterback coach. Anthony Lynn was the big acquisition in the offseason. Assistant head coach slash running backs. Uh, Asani Rufus, Offensive Quality Control. Brian Schneider, Special Teams Coordinator, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. Deuce Schwartz, Offensive Quality Control. Bobby Slowick, Offensive Passing Game Coordinator. And Nick Sorensen, Defensive Assistant. Uh, What you will notice here, there is no Offensive Coordinator on this list. We're going back to the Kyle Shanahan running the offense, essentially, which he never really stopped running the offense. He kind of gave McDaniels the title just to probably hold him in place so he didn't go anywhere else um these hires the interesting ones are obviously the uh, brian schneider one and the brian greasy one 
I am not opposed to this Brian Greasy hire. I did initially think it was weird. I was like, oh, crap, another TV guy. But who better to coach quarterbacks than a former quarterback, right? Someone who can, and I I think, I'm going to try to make my comments measured here, but I think what a lot of folks think a quarterback coaches, his title is, is the guy who's going to change Lance's throwing mechanics, change his footwork. No, Brian Greasy's job is to work with Kyle Shanahan to help teach the offense to Trey Lance, to help teach Trey Lance how to read a defense, to help teach Trey Lance the game plan for the week, to help run through what Trey is and is not comfortable with in the offense. That's where the comp, That's where the, the coaching title gets a little bit lost here, right? Everyone's like, oh, he's a TV guy, blah, blah, blah. Brian Greasy was drafted by the Denver Broncos. He played under Kyle, uh, Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad. Um, he's been calling college football games. He's been calling NFL games. So he's been around this transition from your traditional pocket quarterbacks to what we're seeing now with guys who are a little bit more mobile, more athletically gifted. Um, and you can see his train, you know, he see, he seems to have accepted this transition. He had some really good pointed comments about Lamar Jackson and that dual threat ability with the quarterback. So I feel pretty comfortable with this decision. And, as much as I gave Kyle grief during the season, I do trust him as a coach and a coach that can identify quality coaching talent, right? You see uh, Robert Sala, first-time defensive coordinator, gets a head coaching job. Mike McDaniel started. He was following Kyle all the way through, got a coaching job. Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, those two guys have gone on elsewhere and been successful and have um, gotten promotions at each step of the way. Sean McVay, another guy that Kyle was responsible for bringing on along with John Gruden. Um, so I trust Kyle's ability to identify coaching talent. Now it's just up to can Brian Greasy teach this offense the way Kyle wants it taught and can Lance and Greasy also develop a strong relationship um, going forward into the 2022 season. Hopefully that makes a lot of sense, but I'm not fully I'm not out on this decision. Hey, yo, whatever gets Scangarillo out of the team facility, I'm all for it. Okay, jokes aside. No, this is, I don't see what the whole backlash was for. It's, do you think Kyle Shanahan is going to go hire Brian Greasy just for fun? Just like, oh, yeah, you know, you were my dad's coach at one point in time. I was on the staff in Tampa while you were a player in Tampa. I'm just going to throw you in and have you be my quarterback coach. No, we've seen guys with Kyle Shanahan go from, quality control coach all the way to some certain type of assistant um if Kyle Shanahan didn't believe in Brian Greasy he would have been the quarterback assistant he would have been the guy doing that instead he's the actual he got the title he's the quarterback coach and the most important thing like you said it's not like Greasy is gonna sit there trying to work on Lance's footwork he's not gonna sit there and tell Lance about his throwing motion from what I understand is you don't do that during the season you don't do that during training camp. You're, you're just playbook reads where to go with the football. All that footwork and throwing motion, that gets worked on in the offseason. Kyle Shanahan basically handshake deal with John Beck to, to work with Trey Lance on those things. It's not going to be Brian Greasy doing those things. Um, while we could say, some, I, I've seen it said that Brian Greasy doesn't know the scheme, even though that he was in China. He understands the foundation. He does not know this exact playbook, but he understands the foundation and 
if Kyle Shanahan had multiple conversations with Greasy and decided Greasy's the man for the job, I'm all for it. The whole narrative of, oh, Kyle Shanahan rode with Scangarillo. Okay, you're not 100% on everyone that you ride with. Look at the NFL draft for resistance. Is is anyone even near a 50% success rate? So with Kyle Shanahan, you, like you said, the resume is there with the guys that, that's gotten promotions under him. And Kyle Shanahan knows that Trey Lance is his biggest investment moving forward because it is the most important position moving forward. So if Kyle Shanahan's willing to bet on Brian Greasy for that in, in terms of helping him out with his reads and the quarterback responsibilities within this offense, then I'm all for it. Remember, Brian Greasy, yes, he's in the media, but he's having conversations with so many guys, so many head coaches. And what are the head coaches nowadays? They're mainly offensive guys. So Brian Greasy had the conversations with Sean McVay. He's had the conversations with an Andy Reid. Um, so, yeah, I feel comfortable comfortable with it. I, I I don't I don't understand the whole backlash. Not until I have data to to have backlash for it. I don't see an issue with this. I think this is something we're all gonna have to wait and see on. But I think it's a, a positive um, to go with a you know a quarterback coaching a quarterback. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day for me. You know, have a guy who is familiar with the position and, like you said, he understands the foundation of this offense. Now, he does he know the full breadth of the Kyle Shanahan current offense? No, probably not. That's what he's. That's what you have in a whole entire offseason for. But again, you're asking a quarterback to teach to teach a quarterback how to be a quarterback. So, you know, not much has changed since 1998 with some of these coverage looks. Right, cover three is still cover three. Cover two is still cover two. Cover four is still cover four. Cover six is still cover six. There's some variations here and there. You're gonna want to teach. You're gonna you're gonna try to teach this kid these things, right? And it's not like Brian Greasy is incapable of teaching. Again, a quarterback's coach's job is to get him mentally prepared. Not physically prepared, mentally prepared. The physical stuff is coming on, going on right now with Trey Lance and John Beck down in San, in San Diego, right? That's what they're doing. They're working on his footwork. They're working on his throwing mechanic. That stuff is taken care of now. Um, OTAs and the season, that's where Brian Greasy comes in and you have your weekly game plan and so forth. Um so I don't see any issue with the, with that with that selection there. The rest of the coaching staff is fine to me. The interesting one was the uh, Brian Schneider um, special teams coordinator signing, uh, and that one. So David Lombardi, shout out to him of the Athletics, Seattle special team DVOA rank under Brian Schneider. Um, Schneider, excuse me, 2010 number two, 2011 number 16, 2012 number three, 2013 number five, 2014 19. 2015 third, 2016 15th, 2017 20th, 2018 was 24th, and 2019 20th. Um, now, part of that regression in special teams was the town in Seattle. We all know as 49ers fans, they've missed on a lot of draft picks, and they were playing with a lot of guys who probably shouldn't be in the NFL. Um, but when you have an elite quarterback like Russell Wilson, you can kind of get away with it, and it hides a lot of things. But as you saw when they were at their peak, they were a top 15 unit on special teams. And the Niners were, what, 30th this last year? And they were 27th the year before. The numbers were not very good under Richard Hightower. So this is a upgrade, having a guy like Brian Snyder. And if we all remember, um, I think, I think, yeah, it was this year. They had the, the Niners got their fake, the fake punt ran on them <laughs> uh, for 72 yards. So 
hopefully this brings some creativity to the special teams unit, which was much needed. When was the last time Niners had a fake punt or a fake field goal or just something creative on special teams? It just doesn't happen. Richard Hightower was not very good, um, to say the least. But I think part of this this situation here, I think the Niners may start to transition some of their better players into special teams players as well. Because we all, we all remember during the Harbaugh era, you had Navarro Bowman on special teams, Whitner on special teams, Deshaun Golton on special You know, you had some of your better defensive players on special teams. So maybe the Niners look to add a, utilize a couple of those guys uh, going forward in the 2022 season. But I, I like all these hires here. Nothing super questionable. Most of it all makes sense. Um, you know, the Niners do like to hire from internal from inside. So these internal upgrades and internal promotions also make sense here too. So it's not... Nothing too crazy, uh, but Brian Greasy and Brian Snyder are the biggest ones. So what do you think of the Brian Snyder uh, signing? And they did have some tricks up their sleeve last year in, in Jacksonville. Obviously, that helps when you have a guy like Jamal Agnew, who's electric in returning those punts or kickoffs because he did that in Detroit the year before. So it was no shocker seeing him do that same exact thing in Jacksonville. So maybe Kyle Shanahan or maybe John Lynch could go get the 49ers, a Jamal Agnew type of player, Cordell Patterson. And, and help out the special teams unit in the return game as well. But, yeah, like you said, I, I would like to see some of the tricky stuff within the special teams unit. Maybe this helps. Yeah, it hopefully it does help. So coaching hires out of the way. Everyone was worried about it. I was not worried about it. It was like the least of my concerns with the 49ers as far as their coaching staff goes. You know, at the end of the day, as long as Kyle Shanahan is still calling the plays, I don't care uh, what else is happening. Um, so that's – you know, that's just kind of how they, uh, that's kind of, that was the thing that this, it was at least, at least of my concerns, to be quite honest with you. Um, free agency is around the corner, Leo. We got to, we got to start talking about it before the show on what might happen, what will not happen. You know, just some scenarios. A couple names that have been out there. The Niners secondary is going to be in transition in the 2022 season. Sta- Long time staples of this team, Joukowsky Tart, Kwan Williams during the Kyle Shanahan era. And, of course, Jason Verrett, who's been here for quite some time and only played for one season. Those three guys, are their futures are up in the air with the team. And I think two of the three will be gone. K-1 and Tart will be gone. Verrett is probably back. Um, why, why do you think K-1's gone? I think part of it is age, injury concerns. You're going to want to get younger and cheaper because you're going to have to start making some financial decisions on a lot of these guys right on the defensive side, right? So, with K1, he almost left last year. He w- he could not get medically yep. cleared by the Jets. So, he would have been a yep. Jet had he been medically cleared. The Niners were, and he came mm-hmm. back on a cheaper deal because the, the cap was down. I just don't see him back, right? He had a hard time this year. He was not the best nickel corner like a lot of 49ers fans think he is. He's just not. He wasn't. Yeah. You know, this is, and hey, man, he did have the tip pass in the NFC Championship game that resulted fair. in an interception in Jimmy Ward's hands. Fair. He made some plays, but he also got his boots smoked by Cooper Cup, who smokes everybody's boots. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, my man, my man was looking around like he couldn't <laughs> find the, the fly ball in the outfield at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so, Ooh. I mean, it's not nothing to you know to dunk on the guy but it was it's not it's time for them to transition like it's it's a revamping of the secondary like it's time right so k1 is on that list and that's where Fortnite's fans should look at this free agency class as far as nickel corners guys who might be able to come in step in and take his role um okay do you think they have a guy on the roster now or they have to address it i think they have to address it in free agency i do not and i hope i'm wrong 
and I'll say this ahead of time. I hope that I'm wrong when saying this, but I, I don't think either guy in the last year's draft, as far as Diamond or Lenore or Ambry Thomas, showed enough for you to go into the 2022 season confident about your cornerback position. Oh, man, you're, you're a hater. You're I'm a hater. not a hater. You're I a would hater. rather see... Uh, I, I, Lenore doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. And he, like he was cool for the moment and the moment I'm talking about the first two games, like he was cool for the moment. And it seemed like if the game caught up to him for whatever reason, I think on like the last 11 times he was targeted, 10 of those were completions and he was getting beat brutally downfield. So I could see what you're saying about Lenore. Um, Ambry Thomas, I'll let you speak on that a little more. Yeah, I mean, with, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not super out on Ambry. I'm just not, if I, if they can upgrade by all means, do so. Like, go find an upgrade, please. But as far as K1 goes, it part of, he's getting older. He's got injury concerns. The Niners just need to just turn the page on that. He's been here five years. He's been in the league what eight now. You know, he's he's had a decent career. He can go elsewhere and probably get a little bit more money. What What do you think that cost is going to be for him? I mean, let's see what his market dictates because I haven't looked it up yet. But I, I mean, I would assume. He's going to see somewhere in four or five million dollar range. You know, I don't think the Niners are going to want to pay that. Last year, he got two point three million dollars, right? So his market's probably going to be in that four to five range if he can get a little bit more. Um, yeah, last year he got one point one year two point three million dollars. So he's not, he hasn't made that much money over his term over his life for his career. Right, he's only been he's he got a three year eight point eight million dollar deal for in twenty seventeen through twenty twenty, and then of course he had the twenty twenty one season um, at two point three seven. So I mean, he's going to be in that range of three to five million dollars. Are the Niners would the Niners rather spend that three to five million dollars to bring back DJ Jones that extra when you can go draft a guy for cheaper? Like that's, that's kind of those are the things that you you got to think about here. Right, if if mm-hmm. who would you rather keep, Kwan Williams, or spend the three million dollars you would spend on him, on DJ Jones? I would spend it on DJ, DJ Jones. Jones. D- yeah, in a heartbeat because yeah. of the barbecue sauce is also fire, so that helps as well. Shout out DJ Jones with the barbecue sauce. Yeah, absolutely, it's a really good sauce. Um, and then the other one, Kwaski. It man, it hurts me to say it, but he's gone. I don't even think there's no light. I don't even think there's likely about it. I think he's just gone. Do you think he makes more than five? Kwaski, not whether he should. Do you think he makes more than five? Yeah, I think he'll make more than five. Outside of the dropped interception, the NFC title game, Kwaski was one of the better safeties in the league. Listen, there's a lot of fans who don't like Kwaski because of he doesn't make the plays, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do like he doesn't have to make he doesn't have to have a hundred interceptions. It's the things he takes away. He takes away so many things. He took away tight ends. He took away wide receivers. He played. He can play in the box. He played single high. He has the positional versatility all the way around. I don't. I didn't need him to have a whole bunch of interceptions. What happens if he doesn't give you the effort from the other side of the field to where he's basically has to make up sixty yards to go get Aaron Jones? We lose that game. This team's not in the NFC. They're they're not even in the NFC Championship game if he doesn't do that. So you could excuse me about the dropped interception because if Tart doesn't make that one play. They're not even playing the game, and there's no conversation about a dropped interception. Um, the the dude's all over the – he was all over the field. And looking at safeties through this draft and then looking at Tart, I, to me, 
how I see it is, man, they're going to miss the guy who could get to the ball downhill and make a tackle on run support within three yards of the line of scrimmage. Cause that's what you get with Tart. And that's not as easy as it looks. No, I agree. I'm a, I'm a big Tart fan. Um, so Tart over his career drafted in the second round, uh, four year contract, $5 million on his rookie deal. He got the extension in 2018, uh, two years, 13 mil. So about six and a half per year. And then last year, COVID year, um, or COVID, or because of the COVID cap, essentially, he got uh, one point two seven million dollars. One point, excuse me, one point one two seven million dollars. Um, so his market should go back up to where he was. Like it's not like he had a this this talent drop off. Like the talent didn't go away. He's been a good player for a long time in this league. So I would expect him to see four and a half five million dollars, easy, maybe more. Yeah, he he should absolutely be in that range. Um, the way that they were mixing in Hufanga as well, it makes me feel like if they were trying to be prepared to to see what they got and see if that's something that they can move on from the next year. Because if you weren't, if you don't have a plan to move on from Tart, you're not m- mixing in Hufanga because Hufanga and Tart don't hold the same water. Tart holds Hufanga's water. That's how much better he is. Um, but that's no shade on Hufango. He's obviously a rookie, a day three pick compared to Tart, who's a seasoned veteran at this point. But it's you're not you're essentially not putting Hufango at high safety if you didn't have a plan to move forward the next year. And that's what it was, you know. It, like yeah, Tart primarily stayed healthy this year, but the injuries is something of a concern that they may feel in the front office. And when looking at the safety market, you have guys like Von Von Bell, excuse me, making the six million dollars, and and John Johnson's a hell of a player making eleven point two million dollars on an average. So I would say Tars probably fits somewhere within that mix. The only way he doesn't make that much money is maybe durability questions. But yeah, I I, I do believe he's gone. Jason Brett, I think they got to bring him back. While you're looking at this cornerback market, um you could probably bring him back for the same price that you paid this year, five and a half. I think you absolutely pay Jason Brett five and a half. What they can't do is lose all three players. Yeah, they're going to lose two of the three. And with Tart, you know, you said it, Von Bell's making what he's making, and Tart was Tart was way better than him. So he's going he's gonna to see he's gonna see a different market. As far as Jason Verrett goes, and this is where, I'm sorry, before we get off the safety stuff, this draft class is loaded with safety, so we'll get, back, we'll get to that. So that might bring his market down. As far as Tarko's and the other safeties that are in the league, so it might be a dry safety market, but we'll see how this all shakes out here soon. Um, but with Jason Verrett, yeah, you bring him back. Bring him back. What do you have to lose with Jason Verrett? To me, you don't have anything to lose. If he's healthy, right, and th- that's the big thing, if, but if and when he is healthy, he is a top 12, 14 corner in the league. And you, you pair that with uh, Emmanuel Mosley, who, when also healthy, he played very, very well. So you're gonna have you if you, you that's what you want. You have we want two safeties that can just you can trust them, right? You can go back to playing a little more man coverage, kind of like what the Niners are doing back at, at the back end of 2020 season, right? People, oh, we're playing too much. No, no, we're playing a lot more man. There's a lot more man going on with Rhett and E Man and, and Witherspoon, who gets way too much hate because Witherspoon played just fine in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, you bring him back on a cheap contract. You don't have to worry about it, and. That the Niners have shown to trust their medical process, right? They they 
2019, he goes in against the Steelers, gets hurt. You know, he didn't play well. They stuck with him, and he rewarded them in 2020, right? Granted, the team wasn't as good because the quarterback situation was in, in flux, but on defense, he was a big part of why the Niners maintained a top-five unit on defense. He was big, a big part of that. So if you can get him back to just 85% of what he was in 2020, I think that's a, that's a net positive. And to me, that's better than Ambry Thomas gives you. Yes. And I'm not trying to dunk on Ambry here, but... You know, but Bresh is that good. Yeah, Gritton. 80, 80% of what we saw in 2020 is that good. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i all for bringing Jason Brett back. I think the only way he doesn't come back is if he personally wants a change of scenery because he spent three out of his four years hurt. Three out of the four. He, he's He's been sidelined, essentially. Or I think it's actually two out of the three. He's been sidelined. Um, because he was sidelined in 2019, came out and played like three snaps, and then that was it. It was a wrap. 2020, he obviously had that spectacular year that you just displayed. And then last year, he was hurt. So he was hurt for two of the last three. Um, and that, I think that's the only way he is. he's not a Niner, is if he wants to change the scenery, because no one's, no one's going to outbid the 49ers on this. I think the 49ers are, they like you said, they trust the process as far as getting guys on the field that are injured, look how long they stuck with Jalen Hurd, um, as well as other players. And look at the year Jason Brett had when he came back. Look at the year Nick Bosa just had when he came back. Look at the year DJ Jones had when he came back. So it's just Chikwaski Tart, Jimmy Ward, plenty of other guys who have been sidelined that came back and played at a high level. And, um, I, I do see the 49ers offering somewhere around $5 million. That's probably what they had an idea as far as a budget goes. Um, but I, I think they got to bring them back. Who's should we start talking about the replacements though? Some, some guys that are going to have to fill in f- for, you know, or, or targets. So when we talk about these targets before you, before you jump into the targets real quick, Leo, go ahead. you said 5 million for Kwaski. He got five going into 2020. Um, I'm sorry. You got five. He, you know, he he got he got five going into 2021. So post this second, this post this injury ACL, I think they go back to what he got when he signed back in 2020 at 1.4 million. Oh, you're talking about Jason Brett? Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think he's gonna get five million dollars. I think so because he had that 2020 season on tape. It's a it's a cheap it's buy. A second it's ACL. a cheap buy. It's a second ACL. One year five million. It's a cheap buy. I. Believe me, I'm not going to count anybody else's pockets, but you know, I do. I do look at the 49ers cap number and and pretend it's my own money sometimes. So if the deal gets done at less Fair than enough. five, hey Jed, I'm all for it. Money. I'm all for it. Let's borrow some money, Jed, please. But go ahead. You're you're going into replacements. Go ahead. Yeah. So I want to hear your top three reasonable targets for the 49ers. I'm not saying your top, and this goes as far as the cornerback position. I'm not saying give me your top three corners in this draft. I don't care about that because the 49ers, they're not getting a sauce gardener. They're not getting them. Um, so I want to hear your three reasonable targets, whether it's a second round target, a fourth round target, a seventh round target, whatever it may be, because the 49ers, what it seems like, have 20 picks in this draft. Because every time I do a mock draft online, it seems like it's <laughs> never ending and I got another pick to select. Um, 
So let me hear three corners that you want to see the 49ers prioritize when their name is on the board. Yeah, so the Niners have nine picks. They're going to have probably have 10, maybe 11, depending on the Jimmy Garoppolo um, compensation that they get. Um, but three guys that stood out to me, and it, it's not not to say the Niners are going to replace Ambry Thomas or anything like that, but for a lot of 49ers fans have been begging for corners, right? So the combine was this past week. There's a couple guys that stood out to me just dependent on where the Niners might select, but there's one. Martin Emerson out of Mississippi State, uh, he could be there at 61, right? If the Niners decide to prioritize corner at 61, he is a guy who's going to be in range for them. 6'2", 200, 200 pounds. Um, he had the second highest coverage grade in PFF since 2020 at 89.6. Um, he had a 4'5", 8'40", and 33.5-inch arm. So he gives you... Good size, good speed, good weight, right? Um, physical, he's, he's kind of grabby from what I saw on tape. Um, but that's a guy that's going to be someone that is developed. You know, he's going to, if you can develop him the correct way, he could potentially be one of your better man and zone coverage corners on the team. So that would be something to go to think about. The other one, Mikael Wright out of Oregon, 5'11". He ran a 4'5", 40. Um, he's got 30 and a half inch arms. Another guy that would fit the mold of what the Niners are trying to do, maybe he fills in for the K1 Williams role, right? He is a little bit smaller. He's got some good size to him. Arms are okay as far as getting him getting some uh getting in there for press. Um but he's also a special teams guy too. The Niners have been looking for a return guy for a while. He's had several returns at Oregon to that netted in touchdowns. So you, that's another value there for him. And the other guy, uh Allie Green from Missouri. Big big guy, six three, two oh three. He didn't he didn't go to the combine, he didn't run, he didn't do any of those the measurables there. But on tape, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot of tools with this guy. Now each one of these guys, Martin Emerson probably be a second rounder in this draft. Mikhail Wright could anywhere be, be anywhere between third, early fourth, and then Allie Green's probably a sixth to seventh round pick. A guy you just kinda of, kinda of take a flyer on and go from there. Um all of which would be in the range for the 49ers. All of them would fit the role of the 49ers who would like to play both man and zone. All three are good tacklers. All three have pretty good ball skills. Martin Emerson, though, is, is a weird case study because he only had one interception last year. But you can't get interceptions if you don't throw the ball to his side, which people avoided him like crazy last year. So there, there's that. Um, so I just think... I think those three guys are probably on the Niners board. Um, maybe maybe the first two and maybe Allie Green is just me thinking, you know, long-term developmental guy, guy that's on the practice squad, guy that they can develop a project. Because you're going to want to take a couple of those guys to have sit on your practice squad. So I did want to ask you about Martin Emerson. Because according to PFF, it's he didn't get an interception for the past two years, yet he allowed four touchdowns the past two years. So for someone who's actually watched him and didn't pull up what PFF tells you, where do you basically say this is who that guy is? He's not the guy that PFF is trying to tell you that he gave up four touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, what what do you see on tape that makes you feel, okay, if, if he's the selection at 61, that's my guy. I'm all for it. 
So just one that comes off hand, like off off the top. He was in coverage versus Jameson Williams out out of out of Alabama this year, and it was the the pass was literally like a six yard slant, and he's off like by eight yards. So I don't know if that's on him necessarily because it, it they were in zone coverage anyways. And he ran the right. touchdowns going in the opposite direction of where he's at, so that's going to count, I guess, against him if they're going to count a touchdown against him. So you're not See, catching Jameson Williams. This is why I'm bringing it up to you: is people are going to hear this podcast, they're going to plug in Martin Emerson, they're going to be like, "Wow, three three touchdowns allowed, no interceptions." That's why I wanted to propose that question to you. Um, and it's also it, that's what he was asked to do in Mississippi State. Um, and maybe it's a different different play call with the 49ers, or maybe Jamison Williams does get tackled when you know, or uh, a receiver that runs that slant. Maybe he does get tackled. Um, obviously, Debo Samuel wouldn't get tackled, and he would take a slant to the house every time. But not everyone's Debo Samuel. There's a bunch of really good stuff on his tape here. Like he has a a really good coverage uh, coverage snap or coverage here against uh, Ole Miss. Right? He's I want to say he's like nine yards off. Ole Miss tries to hit a double move. He he reads it correctly, stays stride for stride with the wide receiver. Matt Corral kind of only puts it where his wide receiver can get it, and he deflects it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he has that ability. As far as the one against – the touchdown against uh, Alabama, I mean, again, there's not much you can do when – no one's covering that. And when Jameson Williams gets the open field, you're not catching him. I'm sorry. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm covering that. What do you mean nobody's covering that? crazy okay maybe 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 pre-beer belly leo yeah i I would think i'd i'd have a chance um but you brought up his arm length say that number again 33 33 and a half inch arm (laughs) everyone describes richard sherman as his big corner long arms you know perfect for the cover three blah 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 you know what richard sherman was 32 inch arms emerson's bigger than that that's impressive that's impressive so i I like the traits there. Um, Do you think Emerson would have an opportunity to compete for a starting role? Obviously with Ambry Thomas, not, not Mosley. I think Mosley went a whole season, no touchdowns allowed, not even in the playoffs. I think he's established, but do you think he could compete with, with Ambry Thomas and potentially steal the starting position? Yeah, I think, I think the 49ers are actively looking for a upgrade at CB2 whether that be through free agency or the draft. So Emerson is a guy that they're very much interested in. I believe he, yes, has an opportunity to compete with Ambry Thomas for that CB2 spot. Um, I think that's the name of the the game, right? I'm not attached to any of these players. The Niners aren't either. They're going to go find the best player possible to put themselves in a position, right? Like, think about it. If if the Niners were to sign Stephon Gilmore, who's seeing the field, Stephon Gilmore or Ambry Thomas? Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, so, I mean... Stephon Gilmore for 500, please. Yeah, so, I mean, you're always going to go with the better player if you can find it. And if you can find the better player in the draft and it shows up in practices during training camp, during OTAs, during your your preseason games, you're going to lean that guy. So, yes, I think Martin Emerson has an opportunity to compete for a starting job. I think most of the guys that are in this draft class that are going to be picks, you know, from pick 10 to 70 at corner would have an opportunity to to earn a starting role in the 49ers as far as cornerbacks. Now, I think I've been on a – I don't know if I ever said it on this show, but the Niners most definitely have to find two starters in the first three picks. Out of their first three picks, two starters have to come out of it. 
where that's 61 okay. and 93 and 93 or 102. But they need two starters out of these first three picks. And if it's a corner, so be it because they're going to need mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, you're going to see some attrition on the defensive line. DJ Jones is probably gone. What's the deal with Arden Key, who said he wants to be back today on Instagram Live, but money's got to be right. So you're going to – the transition on the defense is going to start to happen here. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Any of these guys should be able to compete with Ambry Thomas. Let me let me give you some three more names here. Three guys that I like. Um, that I don't think they necessarily have to take either one at 61. These are These are more so later guys. I think Kobe Bryant may be available there for their second pick in this draft. And Kobe Bryant obviously came from Cincinnati. He was in the opposite side of Sauce Gardner, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Kobe Bryant was playing the field. So typically when you are playing the field, there's less routes that can be ran against you. At least that's the idea of playing the field. That's why uh, Sauce Gardner was basically on the opposite side playing the boundary because he there's more routes that he's going to have to prepare for. Um, so that's obviously going to be a knock on a guy like Kobe Bryant. Um, I do, I do like what I saw on tape. The guy looks, you know, he looks to fit the part as far as a starting NFL corner, main so as a starting corner number two. He does to me. I don't see a cornerback one, and that may be a problem with some 49er fans because they want every corner to be on this team a cornerback one. Um, but usually that doesn't happen in the NFL roster building. That that usually stops in college. Uh, but he, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he has NFL speed, which is a four or five. That's what he clocked in at the combine. But something I'm going to have to, I would like to see out of Kobe Bryant is basically, can, can he get his hands on receiver and cover? Cause what I saw at Cincinnati while watching it's, he was playing, he was playing soft coverage basically to where he was either six, seven, eight yards off the receiver and already started trying to trying to backpedal from there and and play the deep fields and then uh when I did see him at the line of scrimmage he was already in a pursuit drill trying trying to get back uh he he w- didn't look like he played any cover two one, once again this is from what I saw out of his Cincinnati games I did not watch every snap at Cincinnati uh I'd be lying to you if I said I did but yeah when when he is kind of favoring downfield and now we may see why since he clocked down at a four five four. So it may be some of the Richard Sherman that we saw his final year with the 49ers. If Kobe Bryant was a corner there with the team, it's where underneath is going to be open all day. And that's what I saw at Cincinnati underneath was open all day, comeback routes, quick outs, quick ins, um, quick slants. That's going to be available to attack on Kobe Bryant. Like I said, I, as far as Dello, developmental traits i do like what i see from him and he played at a high level at cincinnati and he he also did play against a team like alabama um so then i someone else i look at as far as strictly developmental this guy is not i should not see the field year one essentially unless he has to because he's raw and that's zion mccollum he clocked in the dude's six two and he clocked a four three three forty once again, 6'2", and he clocked in a 6.483 cone drill. Debo Samuel was at 7.03. Yeah, let that sink in. This dude is a straight athlete at 6'2". He, he's doing that. Arms is about average, 30 and 3 fourths. Um, but he's a guy that came from Sam Houston State. So while that athleticism is nice, he's going to be very raw compared to the talent that he's going to see in the NFL. 
And much like they did with Trey Lance, the, the talent level is just such a big leap. We're going to redshirt you this year and potentially have you as a starter this year because I do ultimately believe this guy is a starter in the NFL. He does have quick hips. He's able to get in and out very fast. Um, and and I do think he is a star, starter and can play at a high level. Zion McCollum, go ahead and look him up if you haven't. Sam Houston State, uh, the, the kid's a baller, probably just needs a year to develop in the NFL and get accustomed to the speed. Lastly is former five-star out of high school, Chris Steele. Initially went to Florida, transferred out because of some issues there with, with the, his roommate, and the coaching staff didn't react on it the way he wanted to, so he decided this isn't the program for me. Went to USC and actually put up some some nice numbers there. Uh, got some interceptions. If you watched the Notre Dame game, it looked like nothing went right for USC versus Notre Dame besides Chris Steele getting an interception in that and and keeping USC in that game. Um, so he's someone that I do like. Probably uh, another guy that that you may have to redshirt, even though he played the you know at a at a Power Five school. It's just that he's not he's not where you would want him to be, and that's okay to go ahead and admit, hey, this guy isn't where he should be. Let's go ahead and develop him because he's a former five star player out of high school. If you could get him a year in under your coaching staff compared to USC, who was just hot garbage. They didn't know how to coach. They had a bunch of five-star players and they can't even, they could barely win games in the pac 12. They're hot garbage coaching staff. I think if you get a guy like Chris Steele into the 49ers, I think there's another guy who is potentially an NFL starter that you could get on day three. I'm with you, Leo on all three. Although I'm, I'm just, I'm, I know I always say scout this player, not the school. USC pisses me off. I I, I just <laughs> ever since the Taylor Mays draft pick, I've been I've been I've been hurt. Yeah, it's just I know it's Chris Steele. Uh, like I said, I just like the traits there with him. He he's a little quicker corner at at four four eight. Um, he played he played a uh, field and boundary, so he bounced around quite a bit on both sides, and I just like. He's got 31 and one eighth arms, so he's got good arms for being six foot. He's got bigger arms than than Zion McCollum, who I just said, who's an athletic freak, and at six two. So Chris Steele is is someone I like that could play outside, and I think he could possibly play some inside. No, I I agree. I agree with all of them. I think I I out of the six we named, I think the best two are Martin and Zion. I think those two guys would probably be the best fits Dude, for this if team. They could get... They could get Zion and redshirt him for a year, because Zion McCollum. I I went over his numbers. He's FCS probably kid. like a Sam, he's Sam probably Sam. like a a fifth sixth round pick. Fifth is early for him. He's more than likely a sixth round pick, and that's because of the combine. He's going to be a, a, a top six round pick because of the combine. If it wasn't for the combine, he's probably going in the seventh. The dude is, it's a big adjustment. Scout the player, not the school. Scout the player. I love him, but because of what he faced at the school, he's probably not ready for week one. So, real quick on Zion, because I I, I think I think he might go earlier, late four, early five. But even then, if we all know the Niners hit on fifth round picks, so if that's a guy you get in the fifth round, then that's a guy you get in the fifth round. But Zion mm-hmm. is a guy that I get excited about. Six two, mm-hmm. one hundred ninety nine pounds, four three forty, thirty nine and a half inch vertical. 
broad jump 11 feet, 20-yard shuttle was 3.94. That's the best at the combine this year. And then three cone, like you said, 6.48 was the best at the combine, the combine this year. Those things matter. Like, the 40's cool, whatever, but that short area quickness, that 20-yard shuttle, boom, he's number one. Three cone drill, being able to, his, he shows he's fluid. He can get in and out of his breaks quickly. Um, he's got the build. He's got great shoulders. He, I don't know if you've seen him during the combine. He's got a wide base up top, the yep. good arm length. Um, and this is this is just from a scouting perspective. If a guy has an ass, it usually means he's an <laughs> athlete. And I and I think Grant Cohen said it best. Debo, had, Debo Samuel has the biggest ass I've ever seen. Zion's got a donk, dude. And that stuff matters when you're scouting a player. These guys, you know, I, I coach football. I played football. And coaches, it's really weird, but that's what they look for. And he's got one. So that stuff kind of matters. And I, I like the way he runs. I like the way he turns his hips. I like the way he flips the field. Flips on the field, I'm sorry. Tracks the ball well. Does what he needs to do. Yes, he did play at Sam Houston State. But T- Trey Lance played at North Dakota State. Like, North Dakota and Sam Houston State were just in the FCS, uh, whatever you call it, their championship game this year. Or at least a certain at a certain level in the championship rounds. So... He's coming from a, a decent program who's who's put players in the league before. So I'm not a, I'm not against going with an FCS kid. And if it means he has to redshirt a year, cool. Redshirt a fifth-round pick. Who cares? Absolutely. Well, hell, they just redshirted Trey Sermon, who, you know, was was a day-two pick. He's Ohio State in Oklahoma. He decided to decommit from Utah, go to Sam Houston State, because they were the team that showed him so much love. Even after he verbal to Utah, he just felt – like Sam Houston State was home close if it was close to home as well because he is from Texas um and like this guy could have played at a, at a power 5 school chose Sam Houston State and by all accounts it looks like he played off it, it paid off because the dude was just a baller last season basically a baller all, every single snap that he played and he's not afraid to get his head dirty in the run game either i i, I really i really would like Zion McCollum, maybe, and also if he's ahead of the curve a year early and the 49ers don't have to redshirt him, boom, that's a bonus. That is a bonus. Um, he's someone I want in the draft, but usually when that happens with my draft crushes, they don't land. And, you know, the other thing is you don't get invited to the Senior Bowl if, you, if you're not a good player. And he got invited to the Senior Bowl. And the FCS guys showed out this year. Chattanooga, our guy Cole Strange, uh, obviously Zion did. Um, you got guys like Christian Watson out there who played, you know, there was a lot of FCS kids that got some talent. Um, 49er fans love Christian Watson and he went to FCS as well. So they, you know, they love Trey Lance. He went to FCS as well. So same thing with Zion McCollum. So you were talking about, there it goes. Perfect example. Zion McCollum had to cover guys like Christian Watson. Come on. So we're running a little bit long here. You want to save safeties for next week? Let's save it. Let's save it for next save week. Save the safeties. Let's save safeties for next week. Corners. So, just real quick rundown. Martin Emerson, Mikkel Wright, Allie Green out of Mizzou, Martin, um, and then, Leo, you had Kobe Bryant, Zion McCollum, and Chris Steele. Now, the biggest one out of the, I think me and Leo agree here, out of the six, the best one is probably going to be Zion if you can, for the value, right? That value selection. If you can get him in round five, late fourth, that is a good value selection. So, the Niners need value right now. The Niners need to hit on these later picks as well for depth purposes and potentially starters. Um, we all know they they found a lot of success with these fifth-round picks. 
Dre Greenlaw, George Kittle. You know, you got a lot of you got a lot of production out of a six rounder and DJ Jones. You know, there's there's they've they've done fairly well on the back end of these drafts, and that's a guy that you can probably get. And I think that's the name to watch for San Francisco. Zion McCollum. Actually, I'm gonna reach out to him and see if we can get him on um, because I'm very much interested in his tape and his his journey. Because to turn down Utah, who didn't they win the Rose Bowl? Yeah, they were put and they put out NFL players like crazy, especially defensively. Yeah, he bet on himself and he bet right. So there's that. There's a lot more to talk about. The draft is around the corner. Let us know who you like at the cornerback position on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Hoverbag underscore. Follow my guy Leo here at Leo Luna ninety three. Twitter and Instagram, baby. And then make sure you're following everything at Niners Nation Podcast Network. We do appreciate all the support. One of the best years in our nation podcast history uh, because of you all for tuning in every week, week in and week out to all the episodes and the shows. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you're following Jordan Elliott. He is one of our staff writers who was there at the Combine. He had some great coverage. He's got a lot of content coming about the safety group, the defensive line group, the offensive linemen. Uh, there's a lot to like if you are a draft nut like myself and Leo. That is some of the content you want to go take a look at. Um but until then, everyone stay safe. Hopefully gas isn't hurting you. Leo, Leo, I spent $115 on gas today, bro. Yeah, I spent like 160 a couple days ago. Insane. So I, I didn't want to end it on that, but I, I just had to tell you. Like, I've never spent that much money. I live in Texas, everybody. The, uh, yeah, first I, I time feel like, I feel like it's going to go down soon. Every, everyone will say it's not, but I feel like there's eventually got to be a cap to where it's <laughs> – or else you're going to have to give us another stimulus, like everybody another stimulus. Like um, having no – have no limit about the amount of income anybody makes. Everybody gets a, a gas stimulus. Like um, it's got to happen at some point. I'm in Texas. It's okay if I buy a horse. So I'm just going to get a horse and just ride everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm in I'm in California, so that means instead of a horse, I got to get a scooter. Yeah, scooter or a longboard, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everyone, stay safe. We are still on Jimmy G Watch, Jimmy G Trade Watch. That should be coming up soon. Hopefully, uh, my prediction still remains March 10th, Thursday this week. Hopefully, something happens and the Niners can go into this offseason with all the cap space and an additional pick this year and get themselves set up very nicely for the 2022 season again as always i'm javi that is leo make sure you check us out on twitter uh we do appreciate you all listening everyone stay safe until next week peace